All right. Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. We have another special guest. Uh, this is Calvin Chen. Uh, he owns rental properties. Uh, I believe that he and his fiance have over 150 units together. Uh, he also is a coach. Um, so they have a company where they uh, mentor and have masterminds. They have events. Uh, and um, uh, his, oh, I was going to introduce your wife to your wife is a realtor. Yeah. And uh, she was on the 30 under 30 award in 2019 uh what what awards have you won bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't i can't keep up with her man that's all it is my award dude is i'm just married to her dude that that's my biggest award dude awesome <laughs> so calvin uh has a, a really cool story he uh, went into some credit card debt to get the mentors and in front of the people that he needed to get in front of uh to create more of a vision and set some goals and get things figured out real estate wise he knew from rich dad poor dad the classic uh that he needed to get some uh, passive income to create some freedom in his life uh, he used to work at oracle uh corporate uh selling computer software and then he left well he didn't leave he retired right <laughs> he, re he retired from corporate uh so that he could uh, do a lot more real estate investing. This is Calvin Chin. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. I'm, I'm pumped to, to be on and, and, and share with your audience, guys. For sure. So uh, I want to go back to how you got started. Um, it sounded like I, I was trying to gather it from some of the other podcasts that I had listened to about you, that you may have bought your first home and then kind of used that equity to get into your first deal. Yeah, kind of, man. So um, I guess to kind of back it up all the way uh, and give a background. So yeah, man, I I grew up, you know, first generation household, and you know, really uh, always had this mindset that was taught to me uh, that you know it's always about study really hard, get good grades, get into a good school, and then get a good job, and you know, eventually retire at sixty five with a white picket fence, two and a half kids, and, and a golden retriever if you're lucky, right? And so. That's what I did, man. I climbed that corporate ladder and got decent grades, went to a decent school and got a job in tech and, you know, found out that uh, that really was not as uh, cool as it's meant out to be, right? Not really fulfilling, right? Like that whole, you know, you get there and you're like, man, like, is my legacy in my life going to be, I worked 25 years at, at Oracle, right? And nothing wrong with, you know, tech companies in general. I, I think they're a great vehicle. Um, met a lot of good people along the way there and learned a lot of good things, but I just knew that it wasn't like the the thing I wanted to do in my life. And um, yeah, man. And, you know, looked at, you know, getting into real estate as a way to, we'll, we'll call it buy back time and, and energy right in life. And uh, our, our first property, I, I invested in, in an out of state property and uh, in, in Dallas, Texas, I live in California and uh, didn't really use that equity. I mean, we kind of, I held that for a good amount of years. And then in 2020, I actually finally sold it and then 10 30 exchange that into multifamily. Um, kind of kicking myself for selling it though, to be honest, because you know I thought in 2020, when, I think we started selling it in, in like March or May or something like that, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, COVID's hidden, you know, market's gonna tank, blah blah blah. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna sell it, and then it actually did the opposite effect. So who, who knows? <laughs> yep. So your uh, your fiance grew up in New York. Did you? Where did you grow up? 
and how did you end up in California? Like where are your parents living and where do you live? Yeah. So, uh, so my parents were, were, they lived in like New York and Boston. So they were East coast people and then moved out to California, uh, to LA where I was born and, uh, you know, felt the sunshine and didn't fuel seasons and decided to never leave again. And my, my fiance, we actually just got married in, in November. Uh, she's from Brooklyn, New York, and same thing. She went to school out in, at USC and loved the sunshine and decided to stay out there. And, uh, we both live in NorCal now. Wow. That's awesome. So yeah. you said that, uh, you know, you said that you're supposed to go to school, get a good job. Like how much of that do you think is like, you know, taught to us, um, from our parents, you know, just in general, like, you know, as society, and then how much of that do you think is like cultural? Because I feel like, uh, I'm assuming that you're from, you know, uh, Asian background. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, I feel we'll like, give that away, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, I feel like, they push it even more than what American culture already does. Like how much of that do you think was your parents or how much of it do you think is like just to the general public? You know, I think it was a kind of a cause and effect. I think the societal effects, you know, when my parents came here and they were kind of taught like, you know, all right, well, I got to do something. I got to make it somewhere. Right. And the, the framework back in the day, right. Uh, in like the sixties and seventies, it was like get a good corporate job and rise that corporate ladder and have that, you know, a corner office view with, with everything, right? And I think as that kind of portrayed out, and it, it worked at that time frame, but I think that's a, it's a, uh, it's an outdated concept, right? It may have worked in the 60s and 70s. And, and you got to realize too, like what people went through in those eras, right? Um, you know, the generation before, like my grandpa, I mean, he went through like the, the Great Depression, right? And so my parents too, like they always had that like kind of lingering aspect of, you have the dot-com bust, right? Like all these like recessions, oh, oh nine, right? So, you know, I think it was always like that safety that really draw to them or for us, I mean, I'm a millennial. I mean, we've only seen like good stuff, right? We've only seen a rise, rise, rise at this point. We haven't seen the, the downturn or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think the combination of society kind of teaching them and then the parents from there teaching us, you know, from their experiences. Uh, and right. that's how we kind of become who, who we are right now. Yep. So how did you actually uh, break out of it then? Because, you know, for, for me in my life, I was always kind of like the rebel and I, I always fought against authority and I always fought against that. It sounds to me like, you know, you followed along with it and then you actually broke out of it, which to me seems to be more rare. Um, yeah. Usually people already know from an early age whether or not, you know, what path they're going to go or like, you know, they already know like, hey, this isn't it. And they might get a job and they might go with the flow, but they already know that if there's not something else, it sounds to me like you bought into this idea and then you find out it wasn't the way. So how did you actually break out of that? Yeah, man. So 100%. You're 100% right. Like I was absolutely like that. This is the path. Like this is the only thing I knew. And um, I think. A couple of things. One is, you know, you're obviously when you surround yourself with other people that think differently, you're like, well, like you understand like what's actually possible. And I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest turning point was this whole aspect of like fear, right? There's like, I think all of us have like this fear of like we want security, we crave security, we crave uh, knowing, right? And we fear unknown and change, right? And uh, for me, that that that's what stuck stuck me around in my W2 for a long, long time, right? I you know, had this comfy tech job that in, if you look at that society's realm, would say is awesome. It was good paying, it was like very high paying and, you know, I was climbing and I had a good brand and all blah, 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 all that stuff, but none of that stuff mattered, right? So my, the purpose in life for me was, you know, 
it, it felt like constrained that, you know, if I were just to waste my life trying to just climb the corporate ladder there, like it, it didn't seem right. And, um, you know, there's a really good book that I read. It's called The Second Mountain, where it goes over like two mountaintops, right? Your first mountaintop, you know, everyone's trying to hike that and get to the top. And that's, you know, when you get to the top, that's when you have like your financial picture, right? Your family life, right? Your fitness, your faith, your philanthropy, all that aligned. But many, many people never hit that first mountaintop. And that second mountain peak, if you ever hit that first mountain peak, it's all about legacy and impact. And in the beginning part of my life, I was very much involved with achievement focus, like just achieve, 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 like hit the passive income number, hit the unit account number, hit the next promotion, hit the title, you know, and all that stuff. And, you know, when I got the things that I thought would make me happy, you know, I found out it didn't, it just left me empty, right? Nothing happened, right? Like I, I literally thought that, you know, if I had the title, if I had the, the passive income, I think a lot of people say like 10K a month, that's what they want, right? So when we hit that, I thought that, you know, the clouds would part and angels would come down and a harp would be singing, right? You're like, oh, like, good job, Calvin, you did it. You're successful, you should be happy. And that didn't happen, man. And uh, I felt empty. And, uh, you know, definitely went into this like three month cycle of being comfortable, right? And being complacent, just being on the couch, you know, watching Netflix, like eating, you know, Cheetos off my belly kind of thing. And, uh, and uh, I think what I, what I found out what was missing was that second mountain, right? It was more about, okay, well, how can we make an impact? How can we actually make this world a better place after we leave it? And uh, yeah, man, I think once you, I found that, uh, it changed my perspective of how I approach almost everything in life. Yeah, I, whenever I think about stuff like that, I, I often think about the only way that you would ever actually realize that or like internalize that is to to actually hit your goal i feel like if anybody would have told you that or you know said it like you're, you're not going to be shaken from your goal and then right. you hit it and you're like wow that was not worth it so yeah that's one point and then i would also think that a lot of other people never actually get to their first mountaintop and so unfortunately they're always chasing and then they realize that like man like they kind of wasted a lot of their life so i feel bad for those people too but yeah i mean it, it it always sucks seeing people hit their first mountaintop and then they realize that that wasn't worth it but then majority of people seems like they never even get their first one um so how do you how do you actually help people to make sure that they get the right goals up front and then uh, how do you help them once they do actually hit that mountaintop because there are some high achievers especially people who listen to this podcast yeah. Um, are usually, you know, real estate investors and doing pretty well for themselves. How do you help the people get to the mountaintop first? And then how do you actually help the people, uh, you know, once they get to that? Yeah. I mean, my, my philosophy is always, you gotta start at the end, right? So just understand like, what, what are you doing this all for? Right. When I hear people talk about, well, I'm doing this to buy a Bugatti I'm doing this to buy a G6, blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, well, well, why do you want one of those things? Right. Like what's, what's that next letter? the next layer deeper, right? So I'm always looking to try to find that purpose-driven aspect of it because when you're achievement-driven, there's always a ceiling that you hit. All right, you achievement, achievement. All right, hit that 10K a month, that 20K a month, that 50K a month for a passive income. Then what? All right, then you're gonna chill out and then you're gonna try to you know, raise your goal a little bit more. And then you're always gonna be chasing. But when you have a purpose-driven, like one of my students, you know, his purpose in life and why he's even getting into real estate is, you know, his mom is from Jamaica and the town, the little village that his mom was from got like washed away like a monsoon or something like that. And his, his goal, his purpose, right, is he wants to be successful enough in real estate so he can go back there, rebuild that village. And, you know, in his first year, he's crushed it already, right? And, he, and he's on his trajectory right now that is through the roof where, you know, it's not about, all right, I want to be rich. It's more, hey, how can, I, how can I provide value for other people? 
And in return, I, I will get that value back. So I always start up, okay, what is your freaking purpose? Why are you even doing real estate? Because at the end of the, at the end of the day, real estate, money, cryptocurrency, everything is just a vehicle to be able to do the things that you want with who you want, right? So I always start there and then you reverse engineer from there, uh, figure out, hey, you know, what's the criteria that you're trying to buy? You know, how do I, do we go past, do we go heavy cash flow? Do we go heavy equity up front? Like what's your goal there and how do we get there? Yeah, here in the uh, in the Midwest, we have a lot more flooding issues. So tell him to build it on a little bit higher elevation next to him. Rebuild it right? just slightly away from that neighborhood next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I got this place. I'm I'm gonna we invest a lot in the in the Midwest and South as well. I'm, you know, flatlands. I got one property right now that has like a ravine right next to it. And I'm like, oh man, like. God, I hope it is not it is not a flood over here, man, because I'd be in bad shape. <laughs> do you know Do you know many Midwesterners or like mid uh, Midwest people? Uh yeah, absolutely, man. So you've got a unique perspective on being an American because you grew up uh, first generation, and you also lived in New York, where there's like a whole bunch of different cultures. And uh, so knowing these Midwesterners that you know, like the small town, like the Ho Dunk people, like those are the people that are like our family, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that they need to be open to or what do you think they need to know or like think about or consider they haven't been because of like the culture that they grew up in? It's mm, a good question, man. So I'll, I'll give you some perspective. I mean, I've, I've lived in the coastal cities my whole life, right? So California, I, I didn't live in New York, my, my wife did, but I visited New York a lot when I was growing up. Um, so there's obviously a perspective. There's a persona of a Californians in general or people that live on the coast, right? I think you've heard of it before. <laughs> and actually my perception uh, going in, because I invest a lot in the Midwest, I invest a lot in the South was, man, like, how am I going to be received, right? I'm this Asian dude, uh, young guy that's going in there spending from California, nonetheless, and trying to buy property there. How is this going to look, right? And um, what I found was, hey, man, if, if you're coming in genuine and authentic with people and being vulnerable, like, they're always going to receive you well. Uh, my experience with Midwesterners and, and Southern uh, people, especially in the country, I, I, I'm in a lot of tertiary markets out there, man. And it's awesome. I love it. They're so kind and like, they're so open if you're willing to also be open with them. Right. I, there's always a, a, a trust and a trust. Right. So I always try to, you know, set that level first of, Hey, like, this is where I'm at. I'll, I'll be as authentic. I'll share as much as I can help you out. And, you know, if in return, if you're going to do the same thing, then awesome. If you're not, then, Hey, maybe we're not the best fit for each other, but you know, you always come in first of authenticity and if you can, and it's received well and it receives back to you, then, Hey, that's, that's something magical right there. Do you think, uh, so when you first got started, you kept your job for a little while, didn't you? Yeah. I did, okay. Yeah. And you used your bankableness, how bankable you were with your W2 to kind of like fund your first few real estate deals. And then you got into some bigger real estate deals um, when, when did it make sense for you to transition and what did that look like? So, uh, do you regret playing it safer by being at the job instead of like diving in, or do you think you did it exactly right? Would you change anything about it? Man? Well, no, it's perfect. Dude. I definitely did not think I did it exactly right. And I, I think I definitely held on too long for sure. Um, but I, I think I wasn't ready yet either. I think both in terms of my identity as a person, I just, that was probably the main thing that I wasn't ready to let go of first. Like when I was in my W2, like I was again secure. My identity was uh, someone that was like, Hey, like you almost have that imposter syndrome too. Like, Hey, am I good enough for this? Like, can I do this full time? And, um, 
it, it took me a lot to try to figure out like, well, what, what do I want my new identity to be? Right. And when I figured that out, that helped me kind of like, let go of the fears, let go of the insecurities of, of maybe I even have my self-limiting beliefs maybe. Right. And um, so I, you know, when I kind of create this new identity of who I want to become, that really changed my life about, all right, I am confident enough to say, yeah, I don't need this, right? It's actually holding me back. And when I did pull that trigger, finally, um, you know, everything exploded, right? So, uh, yeah, so, you know, kind of both ends. Yes, it, did, it definitely took too long, but I think at the same time, it was also the right time because I wasn't ready mentally inside of, to, to kind of be out of that, that security. How many properties did you have before you left? Probably had like 50 doors around there. And then did you have like a number uh, that, you know, you're like, all right, if I make this much, then I'm leaving. Or like, what actually was like, all right, the I'm, mechanism. Yeah. Like I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, what made you leave? So it was, uh, it was originally, I thought I had the number, right. The number was 10 K right. And I, we had hit that in 2019 and guess what? I'd stayed, I stayed in my job. So, <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't, I don't know what I, I, I can't leave it. I don't know what I do. Right. And, uh, I think the mechanism was actually, uh, at my W2, they were like, hey, we want to give you a promotion, right, to like a leadership role. And that's when I knew, I was like, all right, well, this is, a, this is the fork in the road, mm -hmm. right? Like, either I'm going in and I'm doing that and I'm taking that path or I'm jumping off right now. And so I had a really open conversation with my leadership team at the time. I was like, hey, like, you know, I'm thinking about either doing this or I'm thinking about totally reti like retiring out of the <laughs> right? And it did weigh on me, man. I went you know, back and forth for, for many, many months and it never felt right. And I think the uh, inside of, of me was like the, the security, the comfortable part of it was like, stay, it's easy, right? Uh, but logically, and, and in my heart, I knew that that wasn't the right answer. Like the financial picture of it, all that stuff, like I knew I was better off doing real estate, but I was just scared, right? So, and I, I have a lot to do. I mean, my wife definitely encouraged me to watch. She's like, yo, like, why not? Just do it. This is the only time. You know, we don't have kids. You know, we don't have anyone on our payroll. Like, if you're going to do it, this is how you do it. And uh, the, the, the thing that actually kind of got me was the fear, it's changing my concept of fear, of the fear of taking a jump to the fear of if I'm on my deathbed, would I regret not taking the jump? And that scared me actually more. So she, your wife now? She's my wife now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you guys, do you guys still have the different last names or did she take your last name? Well, we still have different last names. Yeah. So Good she deal. has a, a cool slogan. Uh, it's unlocked. <laughs> Good oh, deal. She didn't want to actually, to be honest, like we just thought it would be too much paperwork at the time. Yeah. The docs. Uh, which <laughs> now we know that's actually the easiest way to change the last name. So now we're like, oh man, that sounds like a lot of work. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we sell a lot of different last names right now. Politically correct. You both dash your last name and just put the other person's last name. That way you don't have to. Hey, we're in California, right? Last name. <laughs> we're in California, man. We're good for the Maybe I'll take her last name. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so what does your organization look like today or organizations? Because you have multiple companies. What does everything look like uh, between you, your wife? Uh, your coaching, um, how many employees do you have? What's going on? Yeah, so we have a few different kind of organizations. So I'm a big fan. I don't know if you guys have ever read the book, Who Not How, but 
oh my God, it's a fantastic book and uh, very much uh, aligned with that kind of energy. And I think that helped us scale a lot. So, um, you know, we have a couple of different kind of organizations. One, uh, so her brokerage, it's called Zenco's Homes, basically just your, your typical real estate agent brokerage, you know, buy, sell homes uh, here in California. And then we have Zenco's Universities, which is our coaching program. It's our mastermind, right? So, you know, that's where we're, we're trying to teach people to really take that step and, and how to actually take that step, get that confidence to say, yeah, I can, I can do this. Um, the same way that, you know, we were all probably taught by some kind of mentor as well. Um, and then we have uh, Zenco's Properties, which is, you know, more of our investing arm and Zenco's Capital, which we're just starting right now, which is more of our, our, our fund model as well. Awesome. What do you, what do you think the biggest thing that uh, people struggle with and like your coaching, like, what do you think is the most common? Yeah. So I think just going out and taking action, right. It's like, you can get so overwhelmed. I'm, I'm sure I know I was when I first started, it was like, all right, you're in. And then all of a sudden, like all this information comes in and you're like, Oh my God, I gotta do all these steps. I don't like, you know, they're also focused on the outcome. I gotta get to, you know, 10K a month of passive income. I gotta be financially free, blah, blah, blah. And that can get like intimidating, right? It's like, wow, that's a lot of, that's all the crap I got to do, right? Uh, to get there. And so I try to like, just tell them, hey, let's focus on the small habits, right? The habits that you do every day to get there. So maybe, you know, 10K a month is the outcome, sure. But, you know, if you think about that all the time, it's going to be very intimidating. So why don't you just focus on, hey, you know, today, all I got to do is analyze the deal. I can do that, right? That's super simple. Uh, so um, I think that's, that's one thing. And then second is analysis paralysis. I think a lot of people just Get into the state, especially with market research, like oh, I got to pick a market, and and a lot of you know my students are New York, LA, you know uh, Bay Area over here, and you know they're investing in the Midwest, and they're like oh there's so many markets, I could pick so many different things, and then they just get stuck in this like rabbit hole of like oh yeah there's a better market out there, there's a better market. well you know what there's deals in every freaking market, right? right? So you know I would say you know pick three and then pick one from there and just jump in build your team. Yep. So it sounds like inaction is you know, the most common problem, which we've seen that, you know, a lot. I've actually told a lot of people um, who are scared to do their first deal. I'm like, man, the only way that this is like going to go really bad is if you don't finish. That's where we see most of the time where people have the biggest issues is if they start a property, they get halfway through the rehab, they get scared and they decide to sell it. Like that's when they get the worst or it just sits there or like they get that you know, there's like, man, maybe I got myself in too far. Like they pull out early. Like that's when they really usually struggle is when they don't take the action to finish what they started. Um, so you already gave one strategy, um, you know, breaking down that big chunk into a smaller chunk. Is that the best strategy that you've seen for that inaction? Or what do you think is the absolute best strategy for actually like fighting through that? Like, hey, I'm going to keep analyzing this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one part of it. And then the second is actually just going out and doing it. Just do your first one, right? Because you know, I had a, a student that, you know, was just like very, you know, she was not, not very confident. She can buy a property. She's like, I can't even afford to have kids, you know, like kind of crazy talk. Right. And uh, then she did her first property actually in Indiana. Right. And she was like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. And then she did her second one and now she's doing a burr. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. Like it just, we, we build up this like big thing in our mind. Like this is going to be so hard to overcome, but when you just go do it, like, yeah, sure. Maybe something will go wrong, but guess what? You'll find a way around. Like when you're, when your back is against the wall, us as human beings, especially, you know, high achievers in general, you'll always find a way, right? So um, it's not no, it's just, all right, what, what, what do I have to do now? How do I get around this? Yep. How many people do you have in your coaching program? Uh, we have about 130. 
Okay. And then, so do you have any that, uh, like how, how long has your coaching program been going on? So, uh, officially we've done it for about a year and a half. Okay. Uh, we've been coaching people like one-on-one for like three years, four years now. Nice. Have you had anybody that has like bought in? Um, and if you don't mind sharing, like how much is your coaching program? Have they bought in and then not done anything? Yeah. Yeah. We've had people, uh, so we're, we're a little bit below, uh, 10K a month or 10K a year, 10K a month, okay. 10K a year. And, um, have we had people not do it? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some people that, that jump in and say, I'm going to go do this. I have these dreams and aspirations and they, they overestimate how much time they can commit maybe with kids or whatever it is. And, um, or, you know, they find out I had, you know, once they say, Hey, you know, I'd like what I really found out about this about myself was I don't want to be a real estate investor. Right. I actually like being passive. I'll be a real estate investor passively, but I don't want to do a burn project. I don't want to run a rehab crew in the middle of, uh, of, of Kansas. Right. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like for me, like my, the success I measure for my, my students, my members are one, like, do you feel empowered and confident to take action? And two, do you have a direction? Do you have a direction where you want to go? Um, not how many doors you buy in your first year or anything like that, or how much cash you have, but if you have a direction, Right. This student, you know, it could be a direction of saying, hey, my direction is not to do this. Right. And I found that out. Great. Now, you know, or my direction is, hey, I love this. and I'm going to scale this like huge. Awesome. Do you do any wholesale or flips in your personal business? So we don't do wholesales. Uh, We kind of skipped over that part of it, but uh, we're mostly primarily buy and hold. And we've done obviously birds and some flips as well. Okay. Then um, so. Uh, Dakota's looking into property in Arizona because he wants to live out there uh, when it gets cold as frick here, which is like you know, <laughs> a month and a half out of the year. Uh, it's stupid. And then yeah. the other three, it's just cold. So <laughs> yeah. um, what, what would your advice be to out-of-state people? Um, and then uh, I'll ask you some more questions off of that. But like, what is your advice to people that are looking at out-of-state properties because we we've always invested 30 minutes from home 15 minutes from home 45 minutes from home um we just find deals in our local market and dakota's phenomenal at sales so if i do the marketing and he does the sales we get deals that nobody else can get just because we're so good at that aspect of like finding the deals but then yeah. we look at out-of-state stuff and it gets overwhelming because it's like man i don't know anybody we're just gonna buy a property out here how do i even know if i got a good deal like yeah. Yeah. How do you know it's like not a shack and like how it's just a picture of a property that you get there. It's like, <laughs> right? um, yeah. So, you know, I think that the advice are one, Arizona is freaking awesome. Uh, it's actually really, really freaking hot too. So <laughs> you got to have a pretty big extreme there. Um, but, but second is uh, you, you kind of have, you have to find your team there. Right? I mean, just like you have your team in Fort Wayne that finds you deals. Like I think, finding a, a really trustworthy boots on the ground team that can, that can, you can use as a checks and balances with each other. Right. So, Hey, maybe you have an agent out there and she's like, Hey, like, or he's like, Hey, these are the rents that you can get. Well, guess what? I'm, I'm going to double check that with my property manager. Right. Hey, are these really the rents? Hey, cool. I have a project right now in Texas that you know, I'm basically having my, my agent go check on the contractor on the progress for me. Right. And I have my property manager check on the agent, right. And, and just cross-reference all that. So, you know, I kind of have my team kind of working in conjunction with each other um, to be able to, you know, make sure that everything's operating smoothly. So, so what's the easiest way to uh, build your team? Because I'm sure that uh, not everybody that you reach out to in the beginning actually ends up working out. So how do you find it, vet them and like, you know, pick your team? Yeah, hundred percent. I love what you just said there too, Dakota. It's like, 
you can talk to so many people and maybe you actually only work with one of them, right? You can talk to hundred people, maybe only work with one of them, right? And yeah, we're they're... we're not going to be your realtor. If you're like, hey guys, can you go look at properties for me? We'll be like, dude, no, we're already yeah, doing it's not so worth it for you guys, <laughs> right? But yeah, exactly. It's like not worth it for you guys at all. And you know, for this realtor, for example, I mean, you know, we caught her when she was like young and hungry and just like starting out. And uh, you know, like, hey, like we're we're investors, and you know, we want to help you build up your investor and your 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 own investing career as well. And so we were providing value to her over and over again. I actually had uh, dinner with her probably six months ago. And she was like, I don't know why I wouldn't do this for anyone else. <laughs> I would not like, she actually drove to, uh, my sister actually ended up using her and bought an Airbnb from her. And uh, on, I think Thanksgiving day, this agent went there and cleaned the property and literally put like little, uh, uh, birds on the toilet paper and, and stuff like folded like I was like oh my god like who does this like it's so awesome so again it's you, you guys probably won't do that if I ask you guys but um but you know she would and uh, that's a that's a good part of for where she's at in her life and in her journey and as long as we can continue to build value to her um you know hopefully she'll keep on doing that so yeah. So how do you find I, the biggest one that I, I always see people struggling with is the contractors. I mean, obviously when you're doing burrs, uh -huh. yeah, you're going to be doing the contractors. How do you find a good contractor in a new market? Oh yeah. That's, that's easily the hardest part for sure. I agree with that. Um, I mean, I, I can tell you the best luck that we've had is uh, especially out of state is just word of mouth. And if that other investor is willing to even share that, because you know that sometimes you, you hold your contractor very close to the best. Yes. Right. Um, so, you know, for us, same thing, like I kind of go in the same aspect of one, like, hey, I want to keep your, your, your guys busy, right? So I can do, you know, five deals a month or five deals a quarter, whatever it is, or, you know, five deals a year. Uh, you don't do any marketing, you just have this. And I have a big referral network too. Hey, I, you know, I run a mastermind of 120 people that are looking for good contractors. And, you know, if you do a good job, then I'm, I'm going to help you scale, right? Um, so this, the talk track is, is kind of similar as like, Hey, like I'm, this, this is my vision. Like I, this is how I see you part of this vision. Um, you know, is that what you want? You know? And it's like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, one of the contracts I'm working with right now, I'm, I'm partnering with, with them now. And you know, they're, you know, they're doing all the work, right. They're doing all the work and all the, and handling all the costs on that side. And we're doing what is that? Airbnb. What does that partnership uh, look like? Because that's what something that we're worried about too. Is one, we don't give out our contractor either because he's smashing through properties. He's like getting like you know five done a month, and everybody's like, "Oh, you got him!" Like, now nah, we're keeping him busy. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want him because like we're like we'll keep growing to his whatever rate he can fix him up. We'll we'll keep growing at that same rate if that's what we need to do. So yeah. we don't want to give him out either. But like we also you know he wants to make sure that he's maximizing his money and stuff too. So what does that partnership look like for you to where it does make sense for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, for it's understanding their goals, right? Like what, what do they want? I mean, they're, I think contractors are very, very good. Uh, like they're very good at doing what they do, which is carpentry, managing projects, all that stuff, but they're not very good at like business, not very good at like, like wealth, like long-term wealth. Um, if you talk to any contractors right now, there are always, there's always a, uh, an influx of cash in hand, out of hand, in hand, out of hand, right? And they're not really building wealth. They're always like doing these projects. Some of them just do flips, right? And there's like, they're in and out, in and out, in and out. And, um, you know, my position is more like, hey, let me help you build wealth, right? Let me help you do buy and holds because you want to work forever. Like, do you like doing this? And most contractors, I mean, I'll tell you, they're like, oh man, like they're burnt out. They're burnt out after like, you know, years and years of doing this. They're like, hey, I, I want a way out. And, 
you know, if you can offer that, that solution to, for them. And again, every contractor is different, but I found pretty consistently that all the contractors I've, I've talked to, they, they kind of see that as the, the long-term out, right? If not, then I pitch it to them, right? And, um, you know, and, and they get pretty excited about that kind of stuff. So that, that's how I kind of structure that partnership. So what do you do? Just, uh, you know, create another LLC with them, buy rentals together, they do the rehab for free, then you guys own it? Or what does it actually look like on like properties? Yeah, so that one, so a couple couple of projects we've done right now, we're doing two Airbnbs right now where we're, we buy them under value, right? And do renovations. I have them pay for the, I buy the property, right? I had them do the construction, pay all the constructions. And then we refinance, we base it for pay back each other out of it. And then, and then we just cash out from there and split it wherever, wherever that split ends up being. Okay. Gotcha. Right. And then like for, and then for our apartment complexes, um, same thing. I have a partner that is a, anyway, he's not really a contract. He's more of a project manager, but, uh, you know, he's a badass and essentially he, he manages all the construction side of things and same thing. We do a bird, but just on bigger, bigger, uh, properties. So I just want to clarify whenever you say that, like, let's say you bought the property and let's just say it was $200,000 and then he put in a hundred thousand dollars, would you then be, you know, 66% owner and he'd be 33% owner because he had a hundred grand in and then he gets his hundred grand back and you get your, you know, 200 back. Yeah. So no matter what, how we structure it is you get capital contributions back no matter what. Okay. Right. And then you still say 50, 50% yeah. owner, then it's not about how much you have in because everybody gets. Uh, no, it does. It does matter how much you put in. Right. Cause that's the risk that you're putting in. So, I mean, it, it depends on what you're bringing to the table. Right. So, Hey, I'm bringing the, I found the deal. I negotiated, I, I put the capital in and you're putting that much in, but you're doing the labor on the construction side of things like this. It's a weighted scale, right? Like, all right, well, if you're doing that, I'm doing, and I'm doing this, but I, I signed a personal guarantee on the loan, right? Mm -hmm. I should get more because I'm doing all this stuff and you're doing that. So, you know, it's deal by deal basis of how you structure it. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm taking on more risk. I'm doing all this stuff, right? I put down more money. I found the deal, right? And you're doing this. So, you know, how much money are you putting down for, you know, the amount of risk and return you're, you're putting into the deal as well. And then you kind yeah. of adjust and negotiate from there. That's awesome. Yeah. How much more loyal do you think your contractor is to you then since you're like kind of partners in a lot of deals? Do you think that that helps with like, they're going to put you first whenever you need things done? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, Dakota and I eventually want to get into some coaching. I think that's like our uh, retiring from uh, buy and hold. <laughs> you retired from corporate. We want to retire from buy and hold, uh, but obviously still keep them forever because it's awesome. But yeah. uh, so what did it look like when you first got started in the coaching business, the mastermind? Um, you said that you had a course. Um, it took you a little while to come out with it. Ours has taken freaking forever. Feels like. Yeah. Um, so we're building the course right now. We're going to build a second course probably, uh, unless we're like, so burnt out that we're just like, all right, let's wait a year. But yeah. <laughs> what did it look like when you first got the coaching business? And then was there something that like exponentially improved your trajectory? Cause it always happens that we find things that are like, oh, then we did this and then it started trending this way, you know? Yeah. So what yeah. did it look like when you first got started? How did you bring people on and advertise that business? And what does it look like? Yeah, great question. Uh, yeah, so in the beginning, I kind of mentioned that, um, you know, we were doing stuff for free, like when I was in my W2 and Jenny was an agent, we were just doing webinars, we had meetups for free, and really, we had no expectation of return. At that point, we were just doing stuff just to do stuff, right, just to kind of, you know, help people out. And we did that for like, you know, three years or so, where we just would host like, you know, free meetups, free webinars, all that stuff. And people would always ask, like, hey, Calvin, Jenny, like, 
I was waiting for the pitch at the end, but you guys never had any. I was like, is that coming? And we're like, oh. Maybe it was ignorant on our end. We're like, were we supposed to pitch something at the end? Like, can we monetize this? And so, um, so that's that, that combined with, you know, I think what I mentioned earlier, that second mountain piece of like, what, knowing what, like, how can we impact uh, this world and like leave it better? Like, one of the things that Jenny and I talked about was like, all right, like, real estate's been pretty kind to us. So we can teach other people how to do this too. Right. And then they can go teach their family and they, their family can go teach someone else's family in their community. Right. Then that's something that we could live with as well. So it, it kind of started with just basically free content and just doing that. And we kind of built like a kind of a following, like more of a brand, like, oh, like Calvin and Eddie do real estate investing. Cool. They do out of state real estate investing. And then when we were finally ready to launch, and actually, funny story on that was we, we didn't really, we weren't ready to launch. And uh, a friend of Jenny's was like, hey, uh, I want to be coached by you guys. How much? And at the time, we're like, 5K? She's like, cool, I just demoed you. And then we're like, oh, crap. Okay, we got to go put something together. And so that's that's really how we started. And, and then when we started releasing, like, uh, openings, I guess, and, and offerings, um, we had a huge influx of people that had just been waiting because we had built up a, kind of a network and kind of what you guys are doing right now with your podcast, right? That's a huge huge thing of like being able to build up authority and say, cool, like these guys know real estate really well. Like I've listened to their podcast for years and I want to be coached by them, right? Because they're good people. And so, you know, that's how we started. And, you know, the first month or two was absolutely sloppy for sure. And, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out like how to actually structure it. What was the best way to deliver and actually get people to have to get results, right? Um, cause that's what we want to do. And I, to me, like I felt very personal about every single person there. Um, and I still do like in my community, man, like if you're my, if you're my community, man, like I freaking want to make sure that you succeed and I'm doing everything I can at least it's a partnership where I, I I'll put everything I can on the table and it's up to you to come, come meet me at the table. Right. So, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but you know, that's, that's kind of how we started and you know, how we were able to scale so fast, I guess, in, in my opinion, of like just basically hit the ground running on it. Yeah, it's funny because we we did very similar things. And then we're like, man, like we just kept doing free webinars and free, like we went live all the time and just like went over stuff, went over numbers yeah. and like told stuff that other people didn't know. And that's kind of how we built the following as well. And then uh, we realized at the same time, we're like, man, like we are spending a ton of time doing this um, now. And like, there's like, zero benefits. So we're always looking for win-win. Um, and like, you know, we're like, well, we could like help more people if we actually had a course. And then like, cause whenever you are putting out those free webinars, then you have people reaching out to you wanting to go out to launch and to, for you to give them everything in an hour. And we're like, man, like, yeah, I can't teach you everything I know in an hour, man. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, we had to find a way to actually like help these other people. So then we kind of slowed down on that stuff. But uh, yeah, once we get the course out, then yeah, we're hoping to do exactly what you said. So that's, uh, yeah. that's encouraging. I, I love what you said there too, uh, Dakota, about, um, yeah, you get hit up all the time, right? And then, you know, you go out to lunch or get a coffee or get a beer with someone and you try to give them as much as possible. And the thing that actually did, that really disheartened me a lot was, I don't even know that's a word, but let's go with it, is uh you would do that and then you check it back with them in like a year or two and you're like, Hey, like, how's it going? You're like, Oh yeah, I'm actually investing in crypto now. I'm actually a crypto miner or whatever. And I'm like, what the hell dude? I just gave you like an hour and a half of my time. That was pouring my freaking heart out. Right. And you go back and you're doing, doing crypto or something. It's like, Oh man, it's, it's super like discouraging for sure. 
And so, yeah, you're right, man. The whole being able to scale and actually, you know, give someone a, a path as well, because it's so easy to, you know, with education on YouTube is free, right? But yep. really what people want is more direction of like, exactly. what's next, what's next, what's next versus, you know, I could find one-off subjects on YouTube all day long, but, you know, people yep. don't know where to look. And that's what we're, that's uh, what we're trying to figure out too. That's why I ask you those other questions, because like, we don't want to be another course that just gives you education, man. Like we want to actually help these people take action. And that's really what we're trying to figure out. Like what gets somebody to actually take action? Because I don't want you to buy the course if you're not going to use it. Don't want you to, or if it does help you give direction in your life to find out that you don't want to do it, that's cool too, because like that's worth, you know, a lot of money to find out, Hey, this is not what I want to do. I think that's, you know, it's yeah. cheaper than uh, going to college and finding now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, college is the most expensive way to find out that you learn absolutely nothing there, right? And, <laughs> yep. and uh, yeah, I think what you guys are doing with the course idea, I think it's, 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 it's genius, man. And it helps so much people actually be able to go do the things that they want to do. They just, you know, have to be able to be open for it. And, and yeah. ready. have you had any pushback ever from anybody that uh, decided to not do real estate or like, you know, it wasn't right for them or they didn't feel like it was worth it. And did you offer like a money back guarantee or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I think for, in my opinion, uh, if, if they come up to me and say, Hey, you know, what I found out is that I don't like doing real estate. Cool. We'll honor it. No, no worries, man. Um, like at the end of the day, like we're coming from a place of like, we want everyone to just to succeed, right. Especially in the early days. Right. I mean, it's all about brand. I mean, like I, I want our people to be able to go out and actually take action. I mean, we have a, 92% success rate of students getting into good deals because um, I set the expectations up front. Like, hey, if you're not going to take action, don't take this course. Yeah. Just don't, right? Because you're, you're, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help me, right? Like, it's going to help any of our coaches that are pouring their hearts into it as well. Um, so, you know, I always try to set that up front in the beginning. Like, hey, like, you know, this is for people who want to go take action, right? And if you don't, hey, there's YouTube. Go try that. Try that. And if you still feel like you want to do, go do this and let me know. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So a uh, uh, little bit more critical thinking question for you. What is your biggest struggle right now? <laughs> My biggest struggle, man, is I'm a yes man. And I, I say, like, I get so excited about just other different opportunities. I was just telling uh, Jenny uh, earlier today, I was like, man, I'm, I'm thinking I'm working on like way too much stuff. Right. And one of the big things for me is the one thing, right? It's just focusing on the one thing right now to get that done uh, and then getting it done and then moving on to the next thing, right? And, you know, I, I, I kind of go in ebbs and flow of that. Like, I'll do it and I'm like, all right, cool. I'm focused on the one thing, right? And then, you know, five other things, especially, especially the early months of the year, like, you know, December we take off and we literally just brainstorm about like we do visions on like what we want our lives to look like and what we want 2022 to look like. And I'm always super, super excited because I'm like, oh man, I got so many things I'm doing this year that I want to hit up, hit them all in like the first month. <laughs> so it's last like, you know, month and, and eight days. I mean, I've been like, go, go, go by trying to hit everything. And I was like, man, like today I was like, oh my God, like I'm trying to do like 10 different things. Like we're trying to have <laughs> fun. We're trying to, you know, open up different aspects of our business line. We're you know, closing on a couple of properties, right? And it's like, there's so many things going on that I just need to focus and, you know, pick one of those things and get it done first. So that's like my, my thing right now is just getting excited about so many different things that, that do excite me and, and I, I think can make an impact, um, but not finishing any of them, right? So I got to finish the one first, move on to the next one. That, that's my biggest thing right now. What is your superpower? Dude, my, my superpower, man, is uh, I one, like, 
I, I love just like listening to people and like having connection with people. Like I, that's why I love going on podcasts and talking because it's like, Hey, you gotta meet you two now. Right. And now I know, Hey, if I, if I you know, find a place in, in Arizona or something like that, if you need an agent out there, I actually have a good recommendation if it's in the Scottsdale area. Um, connecting people, I think is another thing. Uh, and then like in terms of the real estate side, like I just love putting deals together. That, that gets me going. I have a, a tech sales background. So for me, I, I love finding deals. I love talking with people. I love connecting people. I love putting deal structures together. I just, we just closed a 23 unit last week. That was like insane. Like I thought like a deal before that was like the craziest deal I've ever done. And then you do the next year, like, oh my God, this is even crazier, right? It's like five months of negotiations, lawyers involved, deal died like three times, deal, doing like seller financing with, you know, a commercial bridge loan on top of it. Like so many different like legality aspects and paperwork and blah, blah, blah. So you know, I, but you know, and I kind of like was obviously stressed out about it, but I also love that kind of stuff. I love being stressed out like that. So, um, so yeah, man, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what I would say my superpower is. Well, who's the better salesperson, you or Jenny? <laughs> so we have this competition. I'm glad she's not Didn't you lose that competition? I'm pretty sure you have a holding company named Bay or something like that. Yeah. 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 Man, you did some research, man. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, so we uh, had a competition about yeah that we we we, bet, we basically when we were younger we bet on who would make more money have to buy the other property and she won most years and I won maybe one year. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll chalk it up to you know her industry makes a lot more money than tech at the time so <laughs> that's a decent problem. Yeah, yeah. to be married to powerhouse. <laughs> it's not it's not a bad thing at all. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is this is one of the last questions. Did you have some other stuff? Okay. Uh, Sixty years from now, you're on your deathbed. Uh, you have a final message to the world. It'll be your legacy, your billboard, your uh, th th something that people will remember you for. Do you have a, a message? It could be like a paragraph. It could be a sentence. It could be a thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, man, there's like two, two, two kind of. I don't know, credos are the word to say, like things that you might get tattooed on your body if my wife was cool with that. But uh, so one theme I have, basically if it's a life theme, then if you know me, like you'll hear me say this all the time is just be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Because when you're uncomfortable, that's when the most growth happens, right? So I'm always trying to be like, all right, well, you know, if it's a bad situation, well, this is probably good for me. Like where's the growth in this? Because, you know, people can really look at, same a same situation one could say why is this happening to me and the other person could say why is this happening for me right and i guarantee you the person that says the latter is gonna be a lot happier right they're gonna you know uh, probably be more successful because their mindset is, is different so that that's one piece of it and then the second one i would say on my deathbed is you know create the passive income for passive impact right and if you can live by that, like you can always remember why you're, you're in this game because yeah, and, and real estate, you guys probably know they're the most too is, man, there's ups, but man, as many ups are, there's probably twice as many downs, dude. And so you gotta know why you're freaking waking up in the morning, talking to attorneys or doing X, Y, Z, where you could be doing something else or you could be out with your friends, you know, doing something, but you're, you know, at home analyzing deals. Like just remember why you're doing it for. And that, I think that quotes me, really helps you remember that purpose of you know, what, what we do, what we do. Awesome. So uh, give us some plugs. We need to know where to find you, like website-wise, how people can connect with you, Instagram, like Facebook, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate Get your the, course. The there. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's really easy. Just go to zencoastuniversity.com. Um, you can book a call with me then uh, on that website. Uh, or you can just find me on Instagram. I'm just calvinatshin, uh, REI. Uh, super easy. I'm on there probably too much, but easy way to get hold of me for sure. Awesome. Do you have any uh, last final thoughts for our viewers? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, just if you guys are listening to this podcast and you guys are really doing that first step, but you know, I think everyone knows that, Hey, the podcast is one aspect, but just going out and actually doing it right is, is where you really learn a lot. So, you know, I'd say your real estate has, has changed a lot. My life, if you let it, we've had a lot of mistakes along the way, but, um, but if you let it and allow it and be consistent about it, I mean, no one's mad about buying real estate 10 years ago. I'll, I'll tell you that much. So. Awesome. Thanks for uh, doing this social push. It looks like you guys have been trying to get your name out there. I got a message. Your your uh, the way that your um, pitch was set up was really good, and uh, so that was really cool getting an email from you guys, and then uh, getting getting this set up. We appreciate you coming on, and it was uh, it was a good time. Thanks, yeah, man. yeah, appreciate the time, guys. It's awesome meeting you too.